Just a quick heads up, this show contains sensitive and graphic material that might not be for everyone. If you don't enjoy in-depth true crime, humor about true crime, and drinking, please don't continue. We want to be respectful of the victims in these crimes, but as for the criminals, we just don't give a shit. Welcome to Crimes and Cocktails, a podcast where we explore true crime while drinking a customized cocktail created by Tabitha and Katie. Hey guys, it's Tabitha. <laughs> and I'm Katie. <laughs> Welcome back to part two of our series on the Vampire of Sacramento. This week we are getting into Richard Chase's murders. Uh, if you guys remember, I know it's been like two weeks. Mm-hmm. But you're going to want, I don't know, what, what what should we call this kind of an episode? It's like a double shot or triple bl- shot or... Blackout episode. Blackout blitz, blackout episode. This is <laughs> yeah. definitely the kind of episode you might want to forget. This is um, alcohol poisoning at your friend's parents. <laughs> this is when your liver starts to quiver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're going to want a couple of shots for this episode. It gets a little gruesome. So fair warning, guys, if you have a weak stomach or anything like that, this is not the episode for you. You can skip ahead. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of taking shots... We have a couple shots to take. So we want to thank our newest patron, James. We're going to take some alcohol in your honor. I'm doing some straight tequila. Some Bacardi right here. Oh my My gosh, you're making some Bacardi. Are you doing the Bud's Bloody tonight? Same. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You a wild one. Oh yeah, doing blackout because, you know, (laughs) it's a Wednesday. (laughs) It's Wednesday, my dudes. Yep. So, well, Thursday for you guys, a Wednesday for us. So. Yeah. Cheers, James. Thanks for joining the crew. There's one for you, and we'll owe you another one later in the episode. Gonna need that other one later anyways, so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of our cocktail today. Oh, well, if you want to be a patron... You can be a patron. <laughs> we won't stop you. <laughs> you can, yeah, we won't stop you. We won't stop you. For as little as $2, you can be a true crime drunkie. So go to patreon.com slash crimesandcocktails. You can sign up there. Be sure to follow us on our Instagram at crimesandcocktails. Twitter, even though I rarely post on there, crimes.cocktails. <laughs> it's there, though. <laughs> it's there, though. It's working. And, yes. uh yeah, give us a follow. Let us know what you think about the episodes. We always like to hear from you guys. And also, if you do really like us, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or click that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on. If you do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, be sure to screenshot that and email it to us at crimes.cocktails at gmail.com and we will mail you a sticker. And speaking of mailing things, we've got some keychains going out to all of our patrons pretty soon. Pretty soon, too. <laughs> pretty, pretty, a tequila. Pretty soon. <laughs> it's already, already chiming in. Woo! Yes. 
speaking of tequila, if you guys are drinking along with us tonight, which you really should, um, our cocktail, you guys might remember it from last week. It is two ounces of tequila, one ounce of blood orange juice, half an ounce of lime, muddled fresh ginger, and then top it off with some soda water and some grenadine. Um, and if you want to check out the art for that, head over to our Instagram. Um, Tabitha did a great job. <laughs> so it's on It's a vampire... There. Bugs Bunny. Bugs <laughs> Bloody. Bugs Bloody. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, shall we get into it? Yes. <laughs> All Let's right. get it over with. All right. Let's get into this. And I'm just going to say a quick sorry. My voice is probably going to die some point tonight. Is that my Might voice? Might be sounding pretty raspy. Is that <laughs> my bit. voice? Is that my voice? been a long weekend it was a long weekend for me it was a good long weekend but uh of relaxing and fun and you know good stuff but this next weekend at my job i'm going to be working like 16 hour days pretty much so let's go (laughs) (laughs) it's always good to start it off a little hungover too you know what i mean (laughs) all right so let's go ahead and jump on into this Uh, Before we get into the new information, just want to remind you guys that when we left off after Richard was found, um, or or I should say where we left off last time, Richard was found at Pyramid Lake, golluming it up. Gollum. (laughs) That's what I'm going to sound like soon. Naked and covered in cow blood. And that's the last time things will be quote unquote normal (laughs) tonight. That was August 3rd, 1977. Now we're going to go ahead and skip a few months to December. So now we're on December 17th. Richard Chase um, fires his .22 caliber handgun into the home of a Sacramento woman. Um, Nobody's injured, and um, I think he intended to kill her but missed. Uh, Police were called and retrieved the slug, but obviously were unable to tie it to Richard from just that. Uh, Then two days later, on the 19th, Richard Chase committed his first murder. So he was driving down the block from his apartment, and he spotted 51-year-old Ambrose Griffin helping his wife, Carol, bring in groceries. Their daughter-in-law, Gail, was holding open the door for them. So both Gail and Carol had just walked in, and Ambrose was following behind them with the last bag. Uh, There was no connection between Richard and Ambrose. Uh, It was just, you know, convenient. Um, and he shoots them right there in the driveway and then uh, just drives off. Um, police were able to connect the 22 handgun used to kill Ambrose. Um, they were able to connect it with the woman who he shot into her house. But they were both really just completely random acts. And so they didn't have a suspect. Yeah. This this was technically his first murder. Um even yeah. though, I mean, it's still murder, yeah, but it wasn't mm-hmm. as up close and personal as what we're about to see. But he was still really proud of this murder. And so mm-hmm. one of the things he did is he liked to collect newspapers and newspaper clippings. And he kept the Sacramento Bee article that was written about this. So it's not really one of his vampire murders, though. But No, just his first introduction into yeah. being a see murderer. See this like. And uh, that's why I make all my grocery bags in one trip. (laughs) (laughs) One trip. No, but really, though. (laughs) One trip or bust. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sometimes when I get off work, I have my gym bag, my like work bag, and then like groceries and stuff. And I'll try to like cram stuff into my gym bag, into my purse. Like every <laughs> yep. finger is holding a, you see like the real test of strength in my fingers. <laughs> Cause I live upstairs. So yeah. I don't want to go back down there. <laughs> so do I. So like, I'm not down. <laughs> So, yeah, that bag of potatoes could wait in the car overnight. So, oddly enough, that's what Ambrose was carrying. Oh, really? Mm hmm. I didn't know that. Well, leave that bag of potatoes. potatoes. Take the cannoli. I was just about to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. One track man. So, (laughs) anyway, so I think Chase was, you know, testing out murder, kind of see what it likes. And he failed um, the first time, obviously, with the bullet going in. And then, you know, kind of second one amped him up. Um, he began killing and drinking the blood of even more animals, if that was possible. Um, adopting them and then just killing them. Um, and at one point, he adopted a dog from a woman after seeing an ad. And then, you know, took it home, immediately killed it. And then called the woman anonymously to describe to her what he had done to the dog. Um, so... You know, so fucked up. Never rehome your pets to creepy looking dudes calling themselves Dracula. Um, they might call you and tell you that they uh, killed them and drink no, their blood. No, yeah. So, no, I, I mean, this know. is like the 70s too. So now when you go to the SBCA, you have to, it's a pretty thorough yeah. application to get yeah. a pet, you know. And they keep records on their computer and they can mm-hmm. look you up and being like didn't you just adopt a dog literally yesterday <laughs> yeah so, no, I, so actually yeah. my uh co-worker she just adopted a kitten and it wasn't getting along with their cat at first so they were kind of going back and forth on like do we just like return the cat yeah and so i think they like they thought about it and they like you know brought it also it wasn't feeling well and they wanted to have the spc look at it again because they had just got it like a couple days ago yeah but then they just were like you know maybe maybe we like we're too speedy because sometimes you go to those places and you don't anticipate getting a cat you see their cute little face you (laughs) just like how i got my cats i must have them (laughs) i must have them so they're they're like okay maybe we can get like a second cat a little bit later down the road we have more time blah blah blah. so they ended up like surrendering him but then not even an hour later she was like really distraught about she's like no i need him back and she was worried that they weren't gonna let her take him again because they were like we don't want to seem like we're irresponsible or fickle or something like that but you know i think the sbca also has a lot of animals and they're like you guys seem to really like them so (laughs) she got him back just so you know she got the happy ending (laughs) and the cats are happy now and they play together it's cute good it takes a while for them to get used to each other yeah this guy was a he was a sicko dude he was adopting and looking in newspaper articles for mm-hmm. dogs, going to like the SBCA adopting them. Yep. He was, uh, it was gross. Yeah. But, anyways, after the sensation of committing his first murder, he decided he'd go ahead and try his hand at arson a little bit. So he actually set a few fires. If you guys remember when he was a kid, he would kind of also play with fire mm-hmm. or get really close to it. He set a fire to a garage in San Francisco and just kind of abandoned it. I don't know how. I think, I'm assuming the garage was open or something, which is weird. They have garages in San Francisco? <laughs> I know. What? Maybe a parking garage. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't yeah. know. Uh, and then he later was breaking into a few local homes and he set flame to the curtains in the living room, but 
he like basically left the scene and you know and this time the neighbors saw like oh my gosh there's flames and immediately call and it was put out pretty quickly so and no one was hurt in that one yes so in mid-january richard's acts uh really you know amp up and at this point he's done a drive-by shooting arson murdered cats dogs birds uh, he's a regular gangster. Yeah. <laughs> now he's feeling a little more personal. Um, so on January 23rd, 1978, Richard tried to attack Gian Layton. Uh, Gian was watching TV in her living room when Richard just, uh, you know, plopped on her porch around 9 o'clock. She heard him and saw him and immediately grabbed the phone to call the police. Richard paused for a moment, considering lunging for her, but then decided to run away instead. So from here, he started to check doors and see if they were unlocked. Um, but quickly gave up, realized that nothing was open, and um, his belief was that if a door was unlocked, that meant that he was welcome in the home. Um, you know, le- much like the vampire legend that they must be willingly invited into the home. So if, you know, it was locked, he was like, oh, I'm not welcome here, and he would just give up. So uh, shortly, um, you know, after this incident, he f- did find an unlocked door, and this was at the home of a young family. Um, they weren't home, and so he just started to prowl around their house, stole some small items, um, opened up a drawer with their infant's clothes, and then peed on them. Um, and then he went <laughs> to their child's bed and is in the middle of taking a shit on the bed when uh, you know the family comes home, and the husband found Richard there. So <laughs> just like if i walked in so disgusting if i walked into my house and like, you turned on the lights and then this like tall skinny dude with like blood around his mouth and like a dead bird <laughs> with him or something <laughs> he's just like squatting taking a dump in a kid's bed like i would just turn the lights off and turn around and leave like i wouldn't even I, t- <laughs> I would just feel like not tonight man not tonight yeah light a match set it on fire <laughs> um, but burn it all down <laughs> yeah burn it all down um i do not want to see that poop um so uh the husband lunged at richard and richard managed to escape though and then i'm so hoping the family left <laughs> burned that entire bed yeah and like, all the kids clothes seriously that's just that's disgusting so gross well, his morning fun doesn't start stop there. Uh, after this, you know, busy morning, Richard scuffles down the street to the Pantry Market, which is a local convenience store. Witnesses said, and this is so gross, that he looked, quote, extremely dirty and had a crusty substance around his mouth. I really want to know what that was. <laughs> I don't know, but there was this guy in college. His name was Mike Jones. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. <laughs> but he would drink a lot of red Gatorade and eat like white powder donuts. And he always had like red white powder donut crustiness around his mouth all the time. And that's what I'm picturing right now. Oh my God. <laughs> Don't try and look him up. You're just going to find the rapper. But <laughs> oh I hope he's doing well. <laughs> and he stepped away from the donuts. Uh, he was a character. I remember he always wore this Harry Otter shirt all the time. It was great. It was really great. Anyways, that's what I picture. So he goes to this uh, pantry market, and he's just kind of like in a zombie-like state at this point, and just, I don't know, just 
probably I don't I don't even know why he's there right and he's just wandering around and then he sees someone that he recognizes from his high school uh she does not recognize him at first which I cannot blame her but he recognizes her immediately they lock eyes it's Nancy Westfall uh and he corners her basically and he starts talking to her like hey he calls her name out directly and she's just like confused at first and then she kind of starts to click with her and she's like oh rick chase like because he would go by rick i guess in high school and he's like yes yes that's me and then he like asks her if she was on the motorcycle at this one thing and she's just like what the heck is this guy talking about i was never i've never been on a motorcycle it was a really weird interaction so she tries to you know be polite and kind of scoot out of this conversation but then he like corners her in a different aisle and he's like asking her like where are you going what are you doing and she's like trying to get out of this conversation trying to leave she's like uh i gotta go to the bank and he's like why do you need to cash a check or something? And she's just like, I need to go. Like, I need to go to work. Like, it was nice seeing you. Bye. Like, get the hell out of here. And she gets into her car and apparently he follows her and tries to grab the car door handle. But he, like, misses it because he has shitty reflexes at this point and she speeds <laughs> off, like, super terrified. So she got away, was a little, you know, freaked out by this encounter with him, but because she was unhurt, she didn't think too much about it at the time, so. That's my reaction whenever I see anybody from high school. <laughs> what, all 12 of them? I know, right? <laughs> Serious. You know who you are. <laughs> anyway. We went to a very small high school. Yes, we did. <laughs> so, um, you know, she's lucky she got away, but unfortunately the next victim was not um, lucky. So Richard continued his hunt for unlocked doors and was able to enter the home of 22-year-old Teresa Wallen, um, who was three months pregnant. So Teresa's husband was at work. He was a truck driver. And Teresa had left the door unlocked while she took out the trash. Uh, When she came back inside, Richard was waiting in there for her. And he immediately shot her three times, once through the hand um, as she tried to shield herself and then twice in the head. Yeah. So, okay, guys, this is where it gets, uh, this is where it gets pretty bad. So this is your double shot, full, full warning blackout here. Okay. So after he shoots Teresa and she's dead, uh, Richard Chase drags Teresa's body to the bedroom in the back of the house and sprawled her out on top of the bed. He pulled up the sweater and bra that she was wearing to expose her chest He pulled her pants and underwear off. He was wearing rubber gloves while he did all this, by the way. So he had some kind of knowledge that he shouldn't leave evidence behind. Some weird, you know, there's something there that's still there, I guess, in his mind. Richard then proceeds to spread her legs apart and chop at her genitalia with a knife. He then cuts out her pancreas, her spleen, and her kidneys. He slashes her stomach a few times, and then he begins pulling out some of her intestines. He then takes an old empty yogurt cup that was found on the floor and uses it to collect her blood and drink from it. After he's had his fill after a few cups of her blood, Richard goes outside and collects dog crap from the yard. He comes back in and he shoves it in Teresa's open mouth, and then he wipes his knife off on her scarf and puts it in the dish rack. And then he goes home waits in front of his TV and hopes to hear of the horrific crime on the news. 
so disgusting. It's disgusting. It's, uh, I actually saw the crime photo. I wasn't expecting, yeah. Like, they had parts of it blurred out, but it was, it was a lot. It was a lot to handle. And I was like, how is this even on the internet? So, I will not share those photos with you guys. No. You can go looking for that yourself. (laughs) Yeah, if you, if you dare. Uh, the next day, Richard woke up um, ready to do it all over again. So on January 24th, he tried to impersonate a door-to-door salesman, um, but he was wanting to buy old uh, magazines. He was turned away. Yeah, super weird. He yeah. was like, oh, don't worry. I'm not selling. I'm buying. Kind yeah. Of a weird thing. Like, and they're like, what the fuck? Can I buy your magazines? <laughs> it's just. He did used to before weird. this go and ask people for their newspapers. And yeah. And I think I read somewhere that he was doing that because he wanted to keep all the articles of crimes he did or something like that. Yeah. Which um, could be what he's doing here. I don't know. Yeah. But he was turned just away. Go buy your own paper. <laughs> Seriously. Um, here's a nickel. No, not. He was turned away by Lawrence and Betty um, Lawman when he went to their door to do this. Um, so he wandered around and decided to go to Daniel Owen's house, who had previously sold him two dogs um, the year before. He found that Daniel wasn't home, so he broke in and helped himself to his pets. Um, he shot one of the dogs, cut out his kidneys, and then drank his blood, then went home. Uh, it's like someone coming in and helping themselves to your stash of hot Cheetos or something. Right. Like, well, let me just open up this bag of. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Fresh. Jesus. Oh, I hope you won't mind. I'm only doing one, not the other. So. God. <laughs> um, but yeah. So two days later, January 26, Richard has that thirst again. He begins wandering around for new victims, and he was unsuccessfully uh, merely knocking on the doors and having dogs bark at him, you know, unable to get in. Um, But the next day, January 27th, Richard happened upon the home of 36-year-old single mother Evelyn Muroth, her 6-year-old son Jason, and her 13-year-old son Vernon, who was thankfully at school at this time. Yeah. So Evelyn had just finished mowing the lawn and her boyfriend, Daniel, had taken her six-year-old son, Jason, to go get new shoes. After she mowed the lawn, she had forgotten to close her garage. Richard took the open garage as an invite to their home. So he entered through the garage and discovered the door was unlocked and he went ahead and entered in. As soon as he came in, he came upon Evelyn, who was watching a friend. I think it might have been her sister, actually, um, baby, David... I'm going to butcher this last name. Ferreira. 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 It's one of our board members' last names. I probably shouldn't use the word butcher, too, in this instance. But, um, yeah. (laughs) So he immediately began shooting at her. She was shot in the head. Then he goes to the crib, and he shoots baby David in the head. Then he takes the baby to the bathroom. And I'm warning you guys again. Be prepared. He begins scooping out pieces of the the baby's brain from his shattered skull and drinks the baby's blood. Shortly after this, the boyfriend Daniel returns home with six-year-old Jason, and Richard ambushes them the second they entered. He shot both in the head, Jason twice because he had shot his neck first because Jason tried to run away. Then he drags Evelyn's body to the bathroom. He then proceeds to take off his clothes. And he begins to mutilate and sexually assault her body. 
Forensics actually confirmed that uh, the semen was found on her body, which is interesting because if you guys remember before, he couldn't get it hard and he couldn't get it up. So he apparently could get it hard this time because he sodomized her corpse several times. Uh, just, Just fucking disgusting. Then he begins to remove several of her organs and he made a bunch of tiny little cuts all over her body. He then drags her out of the bathroom into the bedroom where he leaves her. After he was finished, he went and took the baby's corpse with him and he went home. And when he got home, he ate pieces of the brain and drank the ba- more of the baby's blood. Yeah, actually, when the, the police came to the crime scene and saw that the baby was missing, they were um, really hopeful that there was a chance the baby was alive and being held for ransom Ugh. or something. Um, but, you know, obviously, this was not the case. Um, so by that sucks so bad. My gosh. Yeah, to have that hope and just... And the baby gets treated in this. Yeah, and... I, yeah. Oh, my God. I guess, like, the neighbor's the one who stumbled upon this crime scene, too, oh at first. Oh, my God, I that just, poor neighbor. I imagine seeing this at all yeah these crime scenes i the way i picture them are just so horrific and sound like the worst thing we've ever talked about that i cannot I just imagine don't even know how he could take the baby home like how does no one see this guy leaving this house maybe he had a, a bag with him or something or mm. like stuffed him in his jacket i don't know how old well, the baby was a year old or something i don't know but um yeah i don't know so um now we're in the spring of 1978 sacramento is just living in complete terror um poor sacramento they're always living in terror i know i live here i know (laughs) (laughs) i'm terrified right now Uh, of these raising rent prices am i right guys (laughs) anyway am i right yeah (laughs) 916 anyway so (laughs) i'm gonna stop now so um do you remember the friend he ran into at the pantry market nancy um that interaction would actually help um, help break the case. So Nancy was shaken by it, um, even though she was unharmed. So she didn't consider it, you know, something that she should report. She was kind of on the fence about it. Um, but then she told her father, who was a retired police officer, and he was like, no, you should report this. Yeah, yeah. I think her dad was kind of like, that's a really weird thing because I'm sure this guy had, like, dried blood or something on him. Yeah, yeah. And at the, like, very least, like, that guy needs to get help. He needs, yeah, Yeah. like, a mental, you know, I don't know, some kind of, like, welfare check or something like that. But then I'm sure, like, after all the news of these murders came out, Mm -hmm. I'm sure that her father was probably wrestling with this. Like, she needs to go in and say something because this guy could be involved. Mm -hmm. So. I think uh, I think I'd be the same way. So at this point, the FBI had been called in to try and solve this case because uh, it was just there wasn't they didn't really have any connections. They don't know what the heck was going on. Like, you know, the families weren't connected to each other. They didn't know. Uh, famous profiler Robert Ressler. I think we've discussed him a few times. He released a profile. And remember, this is the 70s where they are. Robert Ressler is, you know, he's one of the um, FBI profilers that's compiling the whole profiling of killers and yeah, criminals. Yeah, this is new. Like this that. is brand new. 
Yeah. Like they say, well, the profile is he's going to be this. And people will be like, how could you know? That doesn't make any sense. Blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. So, but he was spot on with this one. So it's, it's um, kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, he released a profile saying the murder would be tall, malnourished, unclean, and a loner, which is like everything... <laughs> There was more details, too. I don't think we have all of them, but it was, like, super spot on. Yeah, everything like, that he exact. Said. Yeah. Uh, when Nancy... He like would have taken said, a shit in... on a bed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 it wasn't that exact, but... Yeah. He <laughs> literally said that. No. Um, so, after Nancy had called in and reported this interaction, the detectives decided to look into this because the market that she had the interaction with was really close to the first murder of the 22-year-old pregnant mother. Um, so, they looked into this. They looked into Richard. They discovered that he lives pretty close to where all the murders have happened, and that he also owns a registered 22 caliber pistol. Ba-ding! So, they go to his house or his apartment... But Richard is just not answering the door or anything like that. Like, they're knocking. They're saying they're there. They know he's there because his car's there. They're actually, like, listening against the wall to see if they can hear any movement in his house. And They just, just hear, like, his heavy breathing. Like, yeah. <laughs> the blender. <laughs> Ew. The blender. <laughs> Mega margaritas. <laughs> Midnight margaritas. <laughs> Bloody Mary, huh? huh? Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy meaning. I'm trying to keep um, it light here, guys. I'm trying to keep it light. I'm trying to keep it light here. <laughs> yeah. But. <laughs> just can't. It's like my awkwardness just takes over and I just can't. I know. Be serious. I'm uncomfortable. So this is probably like one of my favorite things about this whole arresting story is that Richard, I don't know, he's unwell, but he knows, I'm sure he knows he's in trouble. Like, he's like, fuck, the police are here. Like, they're going to get me. So the police are trying to get him to come out. He's not answering the door or anything like that. So (laughs) they literally pretend like they're leaving to see if this will work to catch Richard Chase, where they're like, goodbye, we're leaving. All right, I'm getting in the car now. Like, I'm buckling up. Buckling up. And it works. Uh, Richard opens his door and comes out, and the police just get him. Like, what an idiot. Uh, he comes out, he's all bloody, of course, with his bloodstained shoes, bloodstained parka, and he's carrying a bloody cardboard box. Um, when he gets tackled, though, he puts up, like, a hell of a fight. Like, they got three police officers on him, like, trying to get him to the ground. They fumble and get the gun out of him. Uh, I think it was in the box, actually, but it falls out, and they get that. And he just will not stop putting up a fight. Like, he's just, like, wailing back and forth to where the police are like, hey, we're going to shoot you in the head if you don't, like, settle down now. But he doesn't give up at all. Like, he's just continuing fighting. So, finally, eventually... They get this little scaly, slippery, bloody vampire in their handcuffs, and they put him in the car. And when they, upon putting him in the car, they discover that he also has Dan Meredith's wallet. I can't remember if it was in the box or in his pocket, but he has the wallet on him, which is pretty damning evidence, I would say. So the police are thinking, like, this is it. Like, this guy's going to start spilling the second we get him to the station. But he doesn't. He he pretty much just, like, doesn't talk about it. And then he just says that all he did was kill dogs. 
And that's all he did. He won't talk about anything, so. Yeah, so detectives and the FBI go to his apartment to search it. Um, You know, they walk in and they find the walls, floor, ceiling, refrigerator, all of his eating and drinking utensils soaked in blood. Um, On the counter was the blender Chase used to make his little um, Bugs Bloodies. And um, it was caked in coagulated blood and, you know, and rotting matter of internal organs. Um, Inside the refrigerator were several animal body parts wrapped in aluminum foil. Uh, Baby David's brains were in a Tupperware container. Um, and pieces of his body was wrapped in Oh, how nice. Wrap. He didn't want to spoil it. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, my mom just got this to me from one of those Tupperware parties. So I guess I put oh, it to gosh. use. Yeah. He's just, oh, it's like you're taking, I don't know, like real food. I don't know. Uh, no. Um, and then several of Evelyn and Teresa's internal organs were in there as well. Um, so on another counter, there were several pet collars and then diagrams of the human body. Um, so obviously with all of this, Richard is arrested. Yeah. Yeah. He also, um, the babies. So I think also, if I remember correctly, I read somewhere that the police were still looking for baby David at this point. Like mm-hmm. they thought maybe, maybe he could be alive. Cause they don't know that it's the baby's brains in yeah. the tubware at this time. No. But they did find the rest of the baby's remains. Mm -hmm. He was actually in a McDonald's cardboard box, like in a back parking lot by a dumpster, like by McDonald's. It was like it was like one of those, not like a to go container, but like the big cardboard boxes that all the supplies would come in, you know, like a bunch of frozen French fries or something like that. He was just in there and some poor soul stumbled upon that. So poor baby. I know. It's really disgusting. So in 1979, Richard stole, stole, (laughs) he stood, he stood trial on six counts of murder. Uh, His defense, which, are you ready for this? Mr. Salami. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Salami. (laughs) Mr. Salami. Yeah. It's spelled uh, not like salami, but actually the book I was writing, it was like, let me see here. Lawyer. When you try to type in lawyer salami, it's like (laughs) lawyer salary. And I'm like, no, no. Salami. (laughs) Salami. You ever hear of the... (laughs) I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Maybe a little, maybe I'm too entertained by that. (laughs) Anyways, Mr. Salami was trying to avoid the death penalty and tried for second degree murder instead of going or like going for a life sentence instead. They definitely were trying to use like Richard's mental health to help him. And, And Richard knew that they were using this. So I think, I mean, he definitely was not well. Don't get me wrong. But I also think that because Richard knew that they were doing that, he, I don't know, might have played it up a little bit more or something. I'm not sure. But they used Richard's time that he was institutionalized as a defense and said that his crimes were not premeditated. Um, But I just, I don't know. Like, I think they were a little premeditated. Like, maybe he didn't, like, know exactly who was going to murder. But he was looking door-to-door to to murder someone. So, in that sense, it is premeditated. Um, Despite their efforts, the jury found Richard guilty on all six counts of first-degree murder on May 8th. 
After seeking a clemency hearing, the judge ruled that Richard was not legally insane and he was sentenced to death by the gas chamber at San Quentin State Prison in Marin County. His crimes were well known in the prison and most of the other inmates were scared of him. While he was in prison, Richard agreed to an interview with Robert Ressler um, and uh, claimed that he had only killed because he was forced to do so so he could stay alive. He said that Nazis and UFOs had made him do it <laughs> and wanted Ressler to get him a radar gun so he could capture oh the gosh. Nazis um, so they could stand trial for the murders and he could go free. Uh, I guess he, <laughs> he claimed, no, reasonable request. So um, he claimed that he was Jewish and even though he wasn't and said that he had a Star of David on his head, which he did not. Um, and that was why the Nazis had targeted him. Um, in one of these interviews, too, Richard pulled out handfuls of macaroni and cheese from his pockets and then tried to give it to Rustler, saying it was poisoned by people at the prison who worked with Nazis. Um, <laughs> I just picture that scene from Napoleon Dynamite where he's, like, eating tots out of his pocket. <laughs> so good. Give me some weird tots. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, so... Um, it was the aliens and the Nazis, as it always is. Um, but... <laughs> Uh, Richard did not serve much time in prison at all um, because at the age of 30 on December 26, 1980, a guard found him dead in his cell. He had saved up um, antidepressants over a span of several weeks and overdosed to, to commit suicide. Gosh. After the trial, a lot of people moved out of the complex Richard lives in or lived in, which... Uh, I don't yeah. uh, blame them. No. That was a country club apartment, number 15 on Watt Avenue, if you want to go take a look, which is currently sitting at a one-star rating on Yelp. <laughs> uh, their only plus is they allow pets. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, but Watt is actually... <laughs> I could never live there. I could never. Um, it's haunted by the ghosts of puppies. Um, but Taylor works on oh. Watt. <laughs> Just like, I want to go see that place. Um, maybe I'll get a picture for you guys. We'll see. Um, and I also think we need to point out that this was going on the same time as Joe D'Angelo, um, the Golden State Killer. He was also active in Sacramento at the same time as Richard Chase. Um, and the locations of a lot of these crimes were very close to each other. Um, so obviously, it was just insane how, like, it was insane at this time um, in Sacramento. So the whole terrorized community over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so um, Richard's murders shared the front page with D'Angelo. Um, and then sometimes they actually replaced him as front page news. And some people have theorized that the heightened brutality behind some of the attacks um, by D'Angelo in the days following Chase's murders um, were so awful because he wanted media attention back on himself instead of Richard um, so that he can make front page news again. Um, and like, I know the murder that happened, um, in Carmichael, um, then I think it was like the next day or the day after D'Angelo struck in Carmichael, like around the same neighborhood. Um, so gosh, yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, Richard Chase is a mentally unwell, unstable, person yeah and and joseph d'angelo was this articulate methodical planned out yeah they're like night and day from each other but both yeah exactly disgusting. i mean richard yeah. chase is a disgusting horrific case but it's also like really heartbreaking i feel like like he just 
I don't, I mean, obviously, like, it doesn't, his, his mental health does not excuse, like, all that stuff. And I just feel yeah. like his, I feel like people failed him. The system failed him. These doctors failed him. The police failed him it's, by not keeping a record of yeah. all the times he had come into contact with the police. And it's definitely a commentary on how we treat mental health here. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know this was the 70s and so things are different, but... um not that much. Not that much. <laughs> and that's what's sad. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and I mean, I think we can see evidence that his, you know, obviously his mother had some mental health issues as I well. I mean, um, just two years ago or a year and a half ago, I believe it was around the holidays, there was a mentally unwell homeless person just down the street from where my parents live that nine o'clock in the morning just came up and stabbed a pregnant woman to death. Yep. As she was leaving her little house in a safe neighborhood. Yeah. And everyone like freaked out about like, oh my God, it's because you have all these homeless people around here. And I'm like, no, it's because these people need help. They need help and we're not yeah. helping them. He's probably or, homeless because he has mental health issues that are not yeah. being ter- cared for. And then they, and then a lot of people with mental health issues turn to substance abuse, which just makes it worse. And that's what Richard Chase was doing. He was doing yeah. acid and everything Self-medicating else. Self-medicating so. because he was Self-medicating. And his family just, they were really overwhelmed. They did not know how to deal with it. I feel really bad for his mom because I was reading that while towards the end of this time, like towards the really brutal murders, like he was not allowed at her house, but she still felt for him. And so like for Christmas, she would come and drop off gifts and stuff to him Mm -hmm. and check up on him. And he would clean himself up and make himself presentable to meet his mom. So she was like, okay, I think he's doing okay. Yeah. But because she just didn't feel safe around him and he had killed their dog or I mean their cat and like tried to cut up their dog and stuff like that. She's Mm -hmm. like, I know something's wrong with him, but like, I don't know what to deal with him. And you know, it's just the whole thing is, uh, it's sad, but yep. That's why you got to lock your doors, hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your dog, hide your dog, <laughs> yeah, hide your dogs. and your cats and your birds um, and your cats and your birds. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and your rabbits. Um, yeah. So that's Richard Chase. <laughs> Richard Chase, good old Sacramento. Yeah, I feel like do not every other move episode here. is a Sacramento. Do not move here. I'm trying to get out. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'm coming. Once you go there, you never leave. <laughs> um, I'm ready to come back to Salinas, yo. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather deal with the gang violence. I have so many friends that live up there, and they're always like, why don't you move up here? It's great up here. And I'm like, um, let me give you point A, uh, Joseph Delangelo, point B, Richard Chase, point B, Dorothea Puente. <laughs> we got more. <laughs> yeah, you have a current stalker right now. Yeah. and That guy, we should, we should talk about him sometime. There's he been the creeps. Yeah, and there's been other um serial killers here as well um oh yeah his name is slipping my mind but there's a really big one and then there's the galagos charlene and her husband galagos that um killed a whole bunch of children here in sacramento um Mm. (laughs) yeah it's uh there must be something in the water it's yeah um it's called homeless shit (laughs) yeah it is and they're that's an actual problem guys (laughs) Yeah, they were like, oh, we should put like, I think it was something crazy, like $300 million into investigating why the American River is making people sick. I'm like, I live across from the river. I can tell you 
what is making there are homeless sick. encampments all along the river and where do you think their shit's going yeah so maybe you they guys should take germs. a look at that <laughs> jack yeah <laughs> anyways we'll save that for a very political episode sometime <laughs> <laughs> a single shot <laughs> single shot yeah. uh it leads to many shots on why california no i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah. anyways oh. we uh, speaking of shots though we do owe our new patron another shot oh, yeah. let me get that puppy ready i'm gonna pour it right now and as i pour it uh i'm actually kind of hoping that this will help soothe my throat so I work in events, and we have a really large event this weekend, and uh, it's going to be fun. <laughs> this <laughs> will be fun. No, it's going to be fun. This will kill I, the germs. I, I'm looking forward to it, but now that the state's reopened, this is our first event with a large amount of people, me working a lot of hours, talking a lot, and I'm already, my voice already is like starting to go out, so. <laughs> We're back, baby. <laughs> Bottoms up, guys. Thank you again, patron. Ding ding. <clears throat> Honestly, tequila is so easy for me to drink. It's good. It's, it's good. good. It's real good. Warms me up. So our sources. Uh, well, we had a lot of different sources. I think our main source for today comes from the book Life of Serial Killer Richard Trenton Chase, The Sacramento Vampire by Jack Smith. It's not an excellent read. No offense, Jack Smith. It's a little, it's too easy to read, but it's short and brief and kind of has just a lot of the facts all in like chronological order. Mm -hmm. So there's that. Then also, as our always favorite, Murderpedia. Mm -hmm. uh, then the Sacramento Bee, mm -hmm. Crime Museum, and the Radford University Department of Psychological <laughs> Psychological Analysis. <laughs> and that's their analysis on Richard Chase. So. I can talk, guys. I can. <laughs> I can speak. I can pronounce so much. I can't. I don't Anyways. even I won't even front. <laughs> so. I won't even front. Yeah. I hope you guys had a very happy Fourth of July. Uh, and thank you guys so much for listening. We, uh, if you guys want to be sure to check us out on our Patreon, patreon.com slash crimes and cocktails or Instagram crimes and cocktails. Uh, you can follow both Katie and I too on Instagram. I am at Tabitha.Ray. I don't know Katie's. It's Grays and Stripes. Just kidding. I do know it. <laughs> I was going to say friendship over. No, I was kidding. Friendship. Become our friends. Yes. And yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe tell us about uh, the serial killer living in your local town. Or lived, not living. <laughs> don't tell us about that. Yeah, I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. And don't tell don't us any more from Sacramento, because I already feel unsafe. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we need to branch out. I mean, pretty much most of our cases have been from Florida and, and Sacramento. Yeah. No, we definitely need we to branch out. Um, we need to find a good old, do a serial killer in Salinas area. Um, so you can feel unsafe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, this is Salinas. <laughs> I know. There's no problems there. <laughs> so no we don't have serial killers. We just have a lot of gang activity. Yeah. That's a different whole kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's a whole different ballpark there. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye.